Welcome to the Denver Community Church Teaching Podcast. Whether you attend our 10 a.m. gathering on Sundays here in Denver, are just checking us out, or listen every week from far away, our hope is that by engaging with Scripture, together we can explore and participate in the life of Jesus so that we can be a healing presence in our world. As you listen to this teaching, allow it to begin a conversation between you and God, you and the Bible, and you and your community. If you have any questions about DCC or this teaching, you can email us at info at denverchurch.org. To get connected or find out more about what's going on in and around our community, you can visit our website at denverchurch.org or download our app by searching Denver Community Church in the App Store. And if you want to financially support the healing work we are doing as we invest in our community while setting aside 20% of every dollar given to support our partners locally and around the globe, you can text the words Denver Church to 77977. That's Denver Church to 77977. Know that spaces like ours can only exist through the radical generosity of those who call DCC home. Thank you for being here. Let's get to the teaching. Guys, I just need to confess, I have two um, teachings going on in my head right now for what I'm about to deliver, and I will see where I end up. I have the one I planned, and then I have one that has been stirring in me since I sat down, and um, yeah, that happens every once in a while. So would you, would you pray with me? God, you are good. You are abundant. You're beautiful. You do not take sides. We're so glad to be in your love this morning. And I pray that we would, we would receive it. And I pray that our lives would embody it. And I pray that um, the world around would be disrupted because of it. Amen. It is always good to be with you. Um, Like Amanda had brought up the word abundance this morning, and that is where... I kept camping out this weekend and this past week and a little bit as I've been preparing. Um, last week you heard from you heard from Dave and he talked about the um, he talked about the idea that um, Jesus wanted us to understand that God's economy is different than ours, that we live in an economy of scarcity and the kingdom of God is a, an economy of abundance. We live in an economy of scarcity, yet the kingdom of God is an economy of abundance. With that in mind, let's open our text this morning to um, Luke chapter 6, starting with verse 27, and we're going to read through uh, verse 36. 
So you can grab a Bible, there's some scattered around. You can look it up on your phone. You might have it memorized, way to go. Um, and otherwise, I'm gonna be reading it. You could close your eyes and just receive these words. Guys, being over 40 is very hard when it comes to reading. <laughs> but to you who are listening, I say, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. If someone slaps you on one cheek, turn to them the other also. If someone takes your coat, do not withhold your shirt from them. Give to everyone who asks you. And if anyone takes what belongs to you, do not demand it back. Do to others as you would have done to you. If you, if you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who are good to you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners do that. And if you lend to those from whom you expect to repayment, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners expecting to be repaid in full. But love your enemies. Do good to them. And lend to them without expecting to get anything back. Then your reward will be great. And you will be children of the Most High because he is kind to the ungrateful and wicked. He be merciful just as your father is merciful. Love. We use love all together too commonly. We love pizza. I love Ted Lasso. Um, we love our favorite store. We can love a favorite brand. We can love a favorite human. We might love a certain time of year, um, and all of that is really about who? Me. In some ways, we've gotten love a little bit backwards. We've made love about ourselves, like I really enjoy Ted Lasso, therefore I love him. <laughs> or I really love days that don't make me feel overwhelmingly hot, because it's more comfortable for me. Love, we have gotten to be about the experience of self rather than the, um, the experience of the other. As we were singing this last song, um, it actually was the last, I spoke here earlier this summer, and it was a song that was sung right before I spoke at that time, and there was something about the imagery of the song that has caught me and stayed with me since then. It's an active love. As we were singing, I, um, I went to this imaginative place where I was, I was imagining what if God is love and God steps into a room that is dark, the room becomes light. If God is love, he steps into a situation that is tense and it fills with his goodness. 
If God is love, then his love actually goes out from him and affects the world around him. Love has a way of affecting the world around us. It is abundant, it is generous, and it is impartial. So here in this passage, as we are reading the words of Jesus, we see him in the last passage um, that, we, that you guys were in last week, it said that Jesus looked to the disciples. This time it begins with, to all who hear. So to anyone who is hearing, anyone who is listening, um, I've got something for you. Love your enemies. He took something that was common, this idea of loving, it's a good idea. We, we like to love things. And, and he turns it upside down by saying, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. Bless the people who have cursed you. It's upside down. It's active, and it actually is a form of violence because hate cannot stand in the way of that kind of love. So um, you all will not be able to see this, but I can't get this out of my mind, and uh, after singing that song, I felt like I needed to just um, show this little, it's a little children's book called The Flower Man. There are no words in this book. It tells the story of a man who, um, does exactly what this song has said. There's a dark town. Everything's dark. The man is glowing. The man walks into the darkness. He keeps walking. He's not, he doesn't seem to be afraid of it. He just comes with purpose, and he comes with this quiet humility. At least that's what I read into him. You guys might have your own experience if you come pick it up later. He sees a little house. And he looks at it, and he buys it, and he begins to love his neighborhood. And if you see what happens, all of the darkness around him in his little house, I know this is asking a lot of you to see pages far away, but um, his house begins to be filled with, with color. And the darkness around him, people are a little curious. Um, I'll fast forward to the town at the end of this man's time in this little village. Behold what love can do. It takes something dark and it turns it around. He enters into the darkness and instead of being overwhelmed by the darkness, he says, I'm gonna plant, I'm gonna plant flowers right here. I'm going to paint color right in the middle of that which seeks to kill, steal, and destroy. I am going to bless here, not because it's blessing me, but I'm going to bless here because my blessing here will be more powerful than the dark, and I cannot wait to see the finished product. And at the end, the little man decides that it's time for him to go and go to the next town, and you see him again in a dark place, and as he's leaving... He leaves a flower with a little girl who you can tell by the look on her face that she has caught what this man did. She paid attention. She saw what love could do, and she's like, I want a piece of this. 
I want to be a part of this story. I want to bring color to the landscape of this world. And that was her act of resistance. Her act of resistance was not to hate. Her act of resistance was to love. Jesus invites us into this very same thing that I feel like Mark Ludy did um, better than I can paint. I'm just going to leave this up here, so if after you want story time, you can come and look. Um, love is active. Love is all-encompassing. Love does not take sides. If we say, I'm on the side of love, we have already chosen our side, and we have othered someone else. In these actions that Jesus is saying, love, do, bless, pray, he is showing us what abundance is like. It is disruptive. It is violent in its own way. For this kind of love cancels hate, and hate cannot have victory over it. One of my heroes is a woman named Corey Ten Boom, um, and she lived uh, through being in a concentration camp during World War II. She and her family had, um, had rescued several Jews, and she and her family were eventually caught, imprisoned. She and her sister Betsy were in the concentration camp together. And I'm telling you, Betsy is a woman that I want to be like. Corey feels a little more attainable. Betsy is this woman that I'm like, I don't know how you got to be who you are. There's a story in her book called The Hiding Place where um, Corey is remembering an encounter with Betsy. They're looking out of their bunk, um, and they're looking outside, and you can, see, uh, you can see other members, people who have been apart and captured and taken into this concentration camp. You can see these prisoners um, there. You can also see their wardens who are being um, cruel and awful. And Betsy says, oh my goodness, what will become of them when this is over? We have to pray. And Corey says, yes, you're right, we have to pray. What will happen to all of these prisoners? What will happen to all of these people that when they are freed from here, they will carry with them this story and this trauma and this tragedy? And Betsy goes, oh, I was talking about the warden. I was talking about the prison guard. I remember the first time that I read that, I thought, I need to reread this. This doesn't make any sense. What will happen to them? And Betsy goes on to say, how will they live with the memory of what they have done? What will become of them? She was able to access a kind of impartial love that um, is stunningly beautiful and feels impossible without love that is God. Wendell Berry says in his book, The Need to Be Whole, love that hates has canceled itself. It cannot survive its hatred of hate any more than one can survive minus one. I'm going to read that one more time. Love that hates has canceled itself. It cannot survive its hatred of hate 
any more than one can survive minus one. Hate and violence to one is hate and violence to the whole. Yes, we may say. Yes, this is why I hate hate and violence so much. And here, Wendell Berry is saying, no, that's actually your hatred of hate is part of the problem. The hatred of hate itself cancels love. Jesus is really messing with the system here when he tells us to love our enemies. He is messing with our assumptions. He is messing with the order of things. And he is messing with our idea that there are some people that are worth loving and there are some people that are not. He is messing with the idea of the golden rule of do unto others as you would like to be done to yourself. And he's making it broader and wider and boundaryless. Love is not partial. In any way, love takes no side. Love is abundant and is a force so great that it has no boundaries. It is unconditional. And unconditional is just that, without condition. If we only love those who love and agree with and live out life in the way that we celebrate, how is that any different from anyone else? But what if, what if we loved our enemies? We actually loved them. And love here in, in this word love that, we, that we is used in this passage is the word agape, and it means unconditional, to be fond of, to welcome, to desire the good of. What if we were people who could be fond of our enemies and desired good for them? What if we could be fond of our enemies? What if we stopped conversations where someone was being torn apart, even if it was someone we didn't know, it was a political figure, it was a a religious figure, a family member, a celebrity of sorts? Um, What if we stopped conversations where they were being ripped apart because we saw their humanity, and their humanity actually caused us to break or have our heart broken. Gosh, what if we were able to look at those who treat others poorly and see things differently than our perspective? Or people who are prejudiced in some way? And what if we were able to see them as human beings, not the sum total of their belief system? What if we were a people who could access love for those who speak, um, who speak ill of us? What if we could speak well and treat kindly and search for good of those people? Do good to those who hurt you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. Actively love those who we would rather dismiss. Love does not mean to stay in a particular kind of relationship or form of relationship. Um, It simply means, simply, 
not simple, <laughs> but it means that we see the identity of the other person in front of us and that we see the person's humanity and we can access compassion for them. And we desire their wholeness. We desire their good. We long for their healing and restoration in life. That we would speak love over them and speak of them with blessing. That we would only speak words that, of that which is good and beautiful and true. Behold, behold what love can do. Unconditional. So abundant that it disrupts us probably to our core. Because I imagine most of us can think of a human being that if we were in their presence, every defense in us would go up, or we would shut down as people, and we would go, everything in me hates the way that you have treated me, that you have treated people like me, that you have spoken ill of me, that you have, there are many things we could put in here, but our bodies shut down, and it's like we have ceased to see the person in front of us as a human being, and we have only seen them as the sum of their life choices and belief systems. Other. In essence, Jesus is saying here, love everyone. Look at everyone as I do. With fondness, being particularly fond of each person. Being willing to welcome, being willing to entertain, be willing to, to offer blessing when curse is the only thing coming at you. Be willing to see someone's humanity when they cease to see yours. Be willing to speak life when death seems to be the only language that the other knows how. There is no longer a category for enemy with Jesus. There's no longer a category for enemy with Jesus. There are no sides to love. Jesus offers, this love that Jesus offers um, and we are invited to live into is not just for the other outside of us, but it's also for the other that lives within us. We can't hate part without hating the whole. Goodness, that can be hard for us, even with our own self. How can I love my enemy if I can't even look at myself and go, oh, I, I actually received the love of Jesus for all of me. Even the parts that I don't like. I remember one day I was um, thinking about this, this passage and I, w I wrote in my journal and I was writing all these things that I did not like about myself. And my list was big. And... And then I wrote this, Carrie, you will never hate anything into positive transformation. You can't hate something so much that it's going to change for the good. And then I paused, and I reread it, 
And then I reread it, and I was like, oh my gosh. The way of the world says if you hate something enough that it will go away. But what if I have to actually love the enemies inside of myself into transformation? What if I can love a person so much that they feel loved, and maybe they reject, or, or maybe they just reject it their whole life? But I get to be a part of a love story that says, whether you respond to me and receive my love or not, I'm going to offer it to you because you are worth it. I'm going to offer love to you and kindness to you and welcome to you, no matter what your response is to me. I'm going to offer love to you and kindness to you, even if you embody belief systems that are different than mine and carry self, I'm going to love you, even though you didn't quite turn out how I imagined you being. It's fierce, and it's transformative. Behold, behold what love can do. If we hate part of one, we hate the whole. If we love only those who we want to, we have chosen a side. And love chooses no side. And this love itself is the great reward. This love itself is the great reward. For we are living out of our truest self, embodying the love of the Most High and living out our true identity as the beloved child of God that we are. I was brought up in a tradition that um, did not say this, but um, said it. That um, God was not looking down on us with love. Um, that was spoken, that was not modeled. What was modeled is God was looking down to check us out to see how well we were behaving. And if we behaved well enough, then he delighted in us. And if he, we didn't behave well enough, then he kind of withheld his delight from us. And I think in our honest moments, a lot of us probably think about God this way, that there are those who God is particularly fond of, and then there are those that God tolerates. And more than likely, I am one that God tolerates. Although sometimes I think, man, I really got it right today. He must love me. Which, let me tell you, is just as dangerous. <laughs> it is just as dangerous. And because um, you get to this point in life where you're like, I've done it all right. Why isn't my life turning out the way I wanted to? I have behaved correctly. And God's like, oh, that's not how my love works. I love you. I love you. You belong to me. You are mine. And look at the way, do you see how they're like figuring it out? Isn't that so delightful? Sometimes I like to imagine, I have a very wild imagination. Sometimes to my benefit, other times very much not. Um, but I love to imagine God looking down at us and going, oh, look at, look at that one. Look at that one. Oh, I love her. She's so great. And then seeing another one and going, oh, I made him. Yeah, he can't remember who he is right now. I love him so much. I want him to remember so badly. 
Um, to be honest, there have been a couple people in my life that have been very hard for me to love. And I, um, I had a hard time seeing past the words of their mouth, the way that they, they chose to do life, and how quickly it seemed that they could just throw things away and curse people. And I, I can feel it even now. And I so badly wanted to not love them. And um, there was a day I was, I was invited to teach a class at, this, at Denver Seminary, and I was to, again, talk about this topic, which I think is entertaining. And, um, and it was the day right after a debate between Hillary Clinton and, um, and Donald Trump. And I was leading the exercise around, around helping us see past the situation to be able to like, see things with Jesus' eyes. And so I had everyone close their eyes and imagine a situation that breaks their heart. And I participated in this. And what broke my heart that day were these two adult human beings who just seemingly hated each other and spewed hate at each other at this debate. And as I was imagining Jesus stepping into the room with these two people, I saw, um, I don't know what they are, they're at like used car sales places and they're, I call them willy men, they're kind of like go like this because air is going through them. And <laughs> I saw both um, Hillary and, and Donald, their bodies were big like that, they were blowing, and then these two little kids came running out to Jesus and said, will you please love me? And I started weeping, and actually I can't talk about it without weeping. Because I was like, oh, what if they've never known a day of being loved in their life? What does that look like if you didn't know a day of being loved in your life? How would you talk? How would you lead? How would you be? And it's tragic. And somehow in that exercise, I got to, I got to hold compassion and see humanity of two adults who are figuring it out. Some ways better than others. And I thought, oh my goodness. So whenever I would be frustrated around something, I would go back to that image and I'd see a five-year-old run to Jesus and say, will you please love me? Will you please love me? When we other any person, when we say, like, I can't be friends with them because they think this way, when we um, other or dismiss a person because of their perspective or the way that they choose to live, we're saying, your humanity has no value to me. And Jesus is saying, we are not a people who do not value humanity. I will love you. But we have to be able to access that. And that is hard work. Um, so we're going to do a little exercise together in the time that we have left. So when you close your eyes, 
with me. Who in your life do you grow in such anger when you hear even their name? Who do you categorize as being on the side of hate? Take a moment and just imagine the person, people. Now, ask God, what do you want me to see about this person or these people? What do you want me to know about their pain? How do you see them, Lord? If you are in a place where you feel like you can, ask, ask God to show you what love looks like for this person. What does it look like to bless those who curse you? to do good to those who persecute you, to love your enemy. God, we, I confess that I do not love as you want me to love. And I ask, I ask on behalf of myself and my friends in this room that we would become a people who love ourselves and the people and the world around us with such love that we're transformed and that the world around us changes. I pray that we would be people who embody love that is patient and kind, that does not envy, it does not boast, that is not rude, that is not self-seeking, that keeps no record of wrongs, that hopes, trusts, perseveres. And that we would be a witness to this kind of love never failing. And I ask, Lord, 
that we would be a people who embody the loving kindness of Jesus. when it has no positive effect on my life, seemingly. That we may know our reward as children of God who see every other human being as a child of God. Transform us. We love you, Lord. May we receive your love for us and receive the love that you have for those around us in a way that transforms the way we live, the way we work, the way we speak. Amen.